Okay. Good morning and welcome to a uh, Sunday morning. I know usually it's Saturday evening, but uh, due to some uh, family constraints, we got Lucas Doremus this morning at 1030. It's Sunday, October the 17th here at the Christian Underground News Network. Um, we are delighted that you're with us this morning. Um, uh, Lucas will be sharing some more uh, teaching on uh, parables, what they are, why Jesus used them, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. It's been great information. He's been getting a, a right. great response from, from what uh, from what we can see on our analytics. And, and boy, uh, listen, keep listening. And I've got even some some great news about uh, maybe some questions that you might have for, for Lucas or Pastor Dick or Dr. Hickson. Um, and uh, we're going to be moving to a question and answer format. Uh, we'd like you to send your questions to uh, my email at imjusttheclay at gmail.com. That's I-M-J-U-S-T-T-H-E-C-L-A-Y at gmail.com. You can send us your questions and we will be answering those probably one Saturday uh, out of every month on our Saturday morning segments. Lucas and I and, and uh, Dr. Hickson will be talking about how they would like to address questions, but you can send questions to to any three of those guys, and they'll be more than happy to uh, to do the research and uh, give you the answers. And we'd like to be able to provide that service for you. So uh, be ready. Uh, you can start sending your questions in now, and we'll let you know when and where we'll we'll be answering them. So with that being said, Lucas, welcome aboard this morning. We're glad to have you this morning once again. And uh, I know you've got some great information on a couple of parables that we have not covered yet, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I think you mentioned something about the, the parable of the talents, if we have time to get to it. That's uh, it's one of my favorite talents, by the way, because in that talent is what I constantly have on my mind. Um, I, I, that's what I want to hear the Lord say to me. Okay. Well done, now, good and faithful servant. Okay, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, I don't want to keep, I don't want to take any more of Lucas's time. So, Lucas, take us on a parable tour, sir. All right. Uh, just a very, very quick review. A parable is a picture with one meaning. Uh, that's a parable, and so that's how we study the parables, and that's how we do them. Uh, last week, we got into the Olivet Discourse, which is Jesus's big speech on the Mount of Olives, that he's answering the question of the disciples, you know, uh, when will all these things be? What's the sign of the coming? When's the end of the age? You know, it's all answering, what, what's going to happen when you come back? You know, that's that's what Jesus is answering. And so uh, the one most people preach out of is the Matthew account. Uh, there's actually Luke and Mark each record an account of the Olivet Discourse. Matthew's is the most complete, uh, which is why we typically turn to that one. But Mark and uh, Luke give some additional information in different spots. So it's always good to study all three. Um, this will be last week, we did the parable of the fig tree. 
And then after the fig tree, there's a couple mentions of this uh, master of a house and uh, with a thief and, a, and wise and faithful servants, things like that. Um, I, I think after studying the different places where these things show up, they're actually different parables. So we're going to be in Mark at the beginning here in chapter 13. Uh, Mark chapter 13 is where Mark gives his account of the Olivet Discourse. Mm -hmm. uh, and remember, when the, when the gospel authors, they record little differences about things that happened, they're, not, they're never conflicting. Uh, they're recording them from a different point of view. They've got a different purpose in mind for their gospel. And so when you're studying one account, if more than one gospel writer records it, you should study all of them because it gives you that complete picture of what's going on. And so Mark, this is chapter 13, and in verse 34, he gives us a parable called the parable of the master going away. Mm -hmm. This is a very simple parable. Uh, Mark chapter 13, verse 34, it says, it is like a man going into a faraway country who left his house and gave authority to his servants, or servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to keep watch. So that's a very simple parable, something that would happen in ancient times as the master would leave and he'd put his servants in charge to take care of the house. Um, so the next verse, Jesus tells us exactly what he means by this. Verse 35 says, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening at midnight or the crowing of the rooster or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. I say to you, I say to all, watch. So the idea here is that a master is going away and he's going he's gonna to return. The people in the house, the servants, they just don't know when. And so the very simple admonition here is Jesus, again, in the Olivet Discourse, is talking to the tribulation generation, uh, the generation of Jews that's going to be in that seven-year period. Um, if you have more questions about that, highly encourage Pastor JB's uh, series he's going through right now in his local church um, on the Olivet Discourse. Uh, he explains it very thoroughly. And so these tribulation Jews, uh, they won't know exactly when he's coming back. And we went over some reasons last time. Uh, there's going to be these things, the, all the, the seals and the bowls and the judgments. It's going to be hard to tell time. Uh, and, and you also, you might not know exactly when that peace treaty was signed. And so even though this seven-year period, we know it's going to be seven years, it may be quite difficult to actually keep the passage of time straight. Mm -hmm. And so that's why Jesus's admonition here is to be watching and praying. Now, what also is happening here? He's giving authority to his servants, but it also says, and to each his work. Uh-huh. So not only are these tribulation Jews supposed to be watching and be ready for Jesus's coming, but they're supposed to be working in the meantime. Because in the tribulation, there's going to be preaching going on. Now, there's also going to be a lot of martyrdom. And we're going to get to a parable in just a second here where we might we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But there is a job to do that Jesus, well, God is giving the last chance to the world to say, believe in Jesus and enter the kingdom. Right. Because um, at the end of this seven years, it will be too late for all those people. Now, we know in the millennium that people are going to be born and they'll have to uh, believe in Jesus then, too. 
but for the tribulation and entering the kingdom, this is the last chance. And so that is Jesus' admonition, is to take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time of Jesus' return is. Now, as with many of these parables, this parable isn't to us in the church, but we have the exact same admonition. We're supposed to be watching for the rapture. And uh, Pastor Dick, I'm excited because in a little bit, we're going to talk about hope. Yep. And you've written a little booklet on hope. And we know, that, yeah. we know that one of our great hopes is the rapture. Absolutely. As the church. And so we're supposed to have confidence in that. That's right. The word hope does mean confidence. I'm glad you said that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into it. But, okay. uh, but, but that one, that's a very short parable. Uh, it's got a very similar meaning about watching. Uh, the next parable we're going to do is the parable of the master and the thief. Uh, this one is both in Luke and Matthew. In Luke, Luke actually doesn't place it uh, in the Olivet Discourse. Um, he actually is telling it to the multitude and, uh, and the, specifically the disciples. Um, and so this one, I think, this is one of the parables that Jesus probably told more than once. Um, you know, as a good teacher, you're going to repeat some of your material. Always do. Mm -hmm. And so as, as the best teacher that ever lived, I think Jesus repeated some of these. Um, and actually, the, uh, the next parable, the parable of the wise and evil servants, um, I am for sure that Jesus said that one more than once. Uh, but anyway, we'll get into this parable. We're going to read it out of Matthew's account. Um, this is the same thing. He's talking to the same disciples on the Mountain of Olives. And this is Matthew chapter 24, if you want to turn there for Mark, and you've got your Bible, uh, Matthew 24, and this is verse 43. Very simple parable, one verse, just like the last one. And so Matthew chapter 24, verse 34, sorry, <laughs> Matthew chapter 24, verse 43, it says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Now, that's, again, a very simple parable. We all know this. Um, nobody wants their house broken into. And we also know that the best way to deter a thief is to have defenses, right? Yeah. Um, now, uh, Curtis, I know you were in the military. Um, I, do, I do martial arts, and we practice that. Um, we talk in martial arts, we talk about the stages of defense. Yes. And uh, the, the first thing, if you want to defend yourself, the first thing to do is avoid. Oh, uh, that's right. If you know there's going to be trouble, don't go there. Cover and concealment. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the absolute first stage. Um, yeah. And then we, we talk about in, in martial arts, we talk about the next stage is using your words. That's right. Um, if you happen to be somewhere that you communicate, yeah, yep. If you can't leave the situation you're in for one reason or another, diffuse the situation with your words, mm -hmm. and then it you know it, it escalates beyond that. But the best thing to do is avoid the problem. Well, if you lock your door at night, that's going to deter most thieves. Um, I read a report many years ago, I don't know how accurate this is anymore, but they said the best deterrent of somebody breaking into your house is to have a sign that says either no trespassing, beware of dog, or something like that. 
because a thief reading that, they will already pick up that whoever is in that house is already defending themselves by projecting this message. Right. <laughs> and so what Jesus's point here with the master and the thief is if the master is always watching, a thief can't break in unexpectedly. And even if that, and, and to go, be, this is beyond the parable, but if the thief would even try to break in, you're already prepared. Yeah. And so the, and so what Jesus is saying in the next verse, he says, therefore you also be ready. He's telling the Jews to be prepared. Now the Bible talks a lot about preparedness. Uh, we're going to go to Proverbs 22 verse three. Uh, this is actually, there are, I keep a list of the repeated Proverbs, uh, Proverbs that Solomon repeats more than once, or he very closely repeats. Mm -hmm. And this is one of them. When I see a, pair, a proverb that's repeated, I tend to think that's got a lot of weight to it. Exactly. Uh, kind of like in the book of Galatians, uh, in verse chapter one and eight, in verses eight and nine. Uh, when he, Paul's talking about any other gospel, he repeats himself. Yeah. Uh, I heard one preacher say that's almost like the Holy Spirit putting an exclamation point on whatever teaching it is. <laughs> and I kind of like that. I think it's just the emphasis. Um, but Proverbs chapter 22, verse three, it says a prudent man. Now that word prudent, we're not real familiar with that word anymore. Uh, it basically means sensible. Uh, prudent means you have common sense. Mm -hmm. Um, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. And so th there are lots of other verses, um, but, uh, but this verse talks about preparing yourself. If you see something ahead that is bad, hide yourself from it. Don't go there. And so that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, just like a master would watch for a thief, be prepared. Be prepared for what's happening and prepare yourself. Um, now, JB quotes this verse a lot, and a lot of the thing, one of the things he says is this verse or preparedness, that doesn't mean it, it's not, it's, it doesn't mean we don't have faith. Right. It doesn't mean it, what, what the Bible isn't saying is, well, I have faith in God, he'll just save me, so I don't have to do anything. Um, the Bible says, <laughs> is it uh, Proverbs 28, verse 31? Is it? No, that's, I'm going to get my verses off here. You ever know, Pastor Dick, when you're looking for a verse, you ever forget the verse number, but you know right where it is in your Bible. Yeah. So you just yeah. look where it is on the page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as you get older, you forget that more frequently. I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, I just found it, right? I had the chapter number. In Proverbs 21, verse 31, it says, The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. And what that means is, God is telling you to be prepared. You get your horse ready if you're going to go into a battle. But you know what? The way you're going to win or be delivered, that's by the Lord. And so the Bible is telling you, be prepared. Be prepared for a thief breaking into your house. But the way you're going to be delivered from that, if it happens, is God's deliverance. Uh, one of my, one verse that I used to hear quoted a lot, I don't hear it much anymore, is Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. Um, and, you know, I used to talk about this verse a lot and have it quoted a lot. I don't hear it much anymore, but it's very, very instructive. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, it says, my people are destroyed for yeah. lack of knowledge. 
so not only in this master and thief is Jesus talking about just your house, your possessions being ready for his coming. Uh, but I think he may be thinking of verses like this, that if you aren't prepared, you don't study, you don't have the knowledge, you're going to be destroyed. Yeah. The knowledge he's talking about is knowledge that a thief could break into your house. And what that means is a knowledge that Jesus could come back sooner than you think he will. That's, right. That's what knowledge he's talking about. If, and if you aren't ready, you're going to be destroyed. And so I really like that verse. Now, the end of the verse says, because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priest before me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. Now, this is talking, God's talking to Israel here, but I think there's a principle here that if we reject God's knowledge, if we reject his word, good things are not going to happen because of it. All right. So Jesus is making a point here. Now, last time, I believe it was, we talked about the passage of time and how just from the seals and bowls, judgments and trumpets, how it might be hard to uh, talk about the time. But, you know, as we get closer to the rapture here, seeing how uh, the world is going, there are also some things that we can say, well, we have the verses in the Bible that's going to tell us what happened. But as we get closer, we can also see how the world is reacting to what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so what other things about knowing the times, being prepared, watching, can we see? Uh, when you get into, when after the rapture happens and we get into the tribulation, uh, to tell the passage of time, what if the government declares a lockdown? Mm -hmm. And what if your watch stops and the only way you have to tell time is something the government tells you and for one reason or another they stop uh -huh. um what if uh, the government stops you from being able to travel um what if they tell you to stay home which means you don't need to work um i don't know about you guys but sometimes if you've ever gone on a camping trip you can kind of lose track of the days sometimes yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what if those conditions happen during the tribulation where the, the one world government creates a condition where it almost doesn't matter what day it is and you kind of start to forget? I think that's uh, a very that's a very likely what if. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought of this, Curtis, to go along with that. What if drones really can deliver food in the tribulation? Yeah. <laughs> and, and i mean and what i mean by that is that if there isn't a need to leave your house they won't right. let you leave your house that's right and if you've got all your supplies taken care of one day starts running into the next and it's hard to tell the different time that's right uh another thing that will definitely happen during the tribulation is the fear of the government um well, yeah and, that's already starting Yep. And if you are afraid of what's going on, um, you might be running away. You know, we know that the Jews are going to hightail it out of Jerusalem at the midpoint. Yeah. Um, who knows? Who knows how long it will take to get to where they're going? Because they can't they might not be able to take a straight route there. Maybe they have to hide for a certain number of days. Yeah, and then probably. continue their journey. Um. You know, just things like that where, you know, passage of time might be hard to keep track of. Um, what if because of some of the, you know, if the rapture happened today and things go on as they have, 
when some of the uh, cosmic disturbances happen, what if our satellites are destroyed? Yeah. And then, you know, those satellites keep track of time and clocks. What if all that goes away? Uh, what if, because we know in the tribulation there's going to be lots of wars, what if you end up living in a bomb shelter for a while? Yep. Um, you know, just lots of circumstances that as we see the world keep getting closer, um, how will the government of the world react? Um, this last one, which I think, I don't know, I, I kind of thought about this and I think it, it, it's a possibility at least. What if the government declares a week that is not seven days? That's actually been tried before in different governments. Um, it, it doesn't work. And I firmly believe it doesn't work because God created a seven-day week. Yeah, that's, what that's, right. that's right. But what if the government declares, we're going to have an eight-day week now, because after you get rid of all the Christians, nobody's yeah. worshiping on Sundays. What's really the difference between the days? And you don't have, and we don't have a lot of Jews trying to keep the Sabbath, at least globally speaking. So really, what's the difference? Why would you need a seven-day week at that point? What if, they, what if they start tracking weeks in eight days? Boy, your calendar might get really messed up. Uh-huh, yeah. And, and so I just, we went over things in the Bible, why it would be hard to keep track of time. But this week, I want to talk about how would the one world government react to those things going on, that it is very practical to think, yeah, time might be hard to tell in the tribulation. And I think that's why Jesus gives so many admonitions to it. So that is that, that, that was a little bit of a digression, but that is the parable of the master and the thief. May, uh, I, may I get in there just a little bit about time? Oh, you bet. Since the tribulation period will be all about the Jews, they might uh, uh, go, go back to the Hebrew year, which is 360 days rather than 65 and a quarter, because they're on the lunar year yep. and we're on the solar year. That mm -hmm. might happen. Oh, well, now that you bring that up, when the moon gets darkened, yeah. what if yeah. their calendar gets messed, messed up because now they can't tell when the phases are? That's it. That's oh, it. Oh, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Are we having any fun yet? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the admonition, of, again, of a lot of these parables, this one included, be ready because That's you it. don't know. And as we've said for all of these, this isn't about the church, but we need to be ready for that rapture because we don't know. We'll know the season, but we don't know exactly when. So be ready. That's right. All righty. The next parable is the parable of the wise and evil servants. Now, this one is told by Jesus in Matthew and Luke. And as I said before, this one, I'm pretty sure that this was Jesus told this at least twice. So keep your finger in Matthew 24 if you have your Bible, and then turn to Matthew 12. And we're just going to talk about a little bit of a difference here, and then we'll go into the parable in Matthew. And then in the second time in, in Luke's account, Jesus actually adds something to it, which adds an extra layer to this parable. So in Matthew, we know the context, we know the audience, those sorts of things. Uh, in Luke chapter 12, this is basically, or this is one of uh, Jesus's uh, discourses in Luke, where he talks about not worrying, 
And then he does the faithful servant and the evil servant, which we read neither last time or the time before that. And then in verse 41 of Luke, it says, then Peter said to him, that's Jesus, Lord, do you speak this parable to only, uh, only to us or to all the people? And the Lord said, and then he tells this parable. And so Jesus, I think, absolutely told this parable in two different contexts. One of them, I think, is here in verse 42 of Luke. It says, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master will make ruler over his house? Now, keep your finger there. Go to Matthew. Read chapter 24, verse 45. It says, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom the master made ruler over his household? The verb tense changed. Luke is in the future. Matthew is in the past. Now, I think it, I may be going beyond uh, what Jesus meant here. Um, I'm just trying to read it and make sense of it. To me, in Luke's account, because he's telling this parable outside of the Olivet Discourse, in the time stream of what Luke is talking about, the tribulation hasn't happened yet, which is why he says, will make ruler. Now, if you go to Matthew, in the context of everything Jesus is talking about, the tribulation has already happened. And that's why he's talking in the past tense in Matthew and in the future tense in Luke. Now, again, because a parable is a parable, a picture with one meaning that may be going beyond. Um, but because of the context and the audience, I still do think he told this parable twice. So we are actually going to read Matthew's account, and we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to read what Luke adds in Luke. So keep your finger in Luke if you have your Bible. We're going to read in Matthew chapter 24, verse 45. It says, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now. Both of these parables, yep, wow, both of these parables are talking about entering the kingdom, or sorry, the, both of these tellings of this same parable are talking about entering the kingdom, said that wrong, because this, again, this phrase, weeping of gnashing of teeth, which we've talked about, is always referring to people entering or not entering the kingdom. So we will talk about the faithful and wise servant. Now, contextually, the faithful and wise servant is a Jew during the tribulation. It is not, say, a, a member of the uh, Church of the Latter-day Saints yeah. or, or maybe of the Watchtower. Um, it, it is not those. Um, now, any saint, any believer anywhere can be faithful and wise. But contextually, he's talking about the tribulation saints here. So the master... That would be Jesus made ruler over his household and give them food in due season. Uh, what I think this is talking about is the uh, Jesus is saying, my people, my servants are going to take care of each other during the tribulation. 
uh, we know that has to happen because the 144,000 are going to go out and preach the gospel. And it is going to be a very dangerous time to preach the gospel. And you, by showing hospitality to those 144,000, that is going to be very, very appreciated. And that's one way you're going to show your faith. Um, and actually, uh, no, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Oops, almost got ahead of myself. See, sometimes you get ahead of me, Pastor Dick, but then I get ahead of myself sometimes. So I'm not ready. I was about to say something. I'm not ready for it. <laughs> now, uh, so the Jews in the tribulation, they need to take care of each other. Verse 46, blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Well, one way he's going to be blessed is they're going to enter the kingdom. Uh, we're going to, you know, whoever's going to survive that tribulation will be blessed by entering. And at that point, they're going to get uh, rewards, too. Um, and so actually, it looks like at that point, yes, we are ready to talk about this. Okay, now I'm ready. So okay. when, yeah, there you go. So I get ahead of myself, and then I go in reverse. And then Don't I move you hate back. that when that happens? Yeah, it's like a three-point turn on your own sermon. Okay. <laughs> so now... In Matthew 31, it starts what was known as the sheep and the goats judgment. Now, the sheep and the goats judgment, it is not a parable. Uh, this is not a hypothetical situation. Uh, it doesn't have one meaning. This will actually happen. The fact that Jesus talks about dividing people into sheep and goats, that's just using an imagery that because he's the shepherd. It doesn't mean it's a parable. Now, in the sheep and the goats, we're not going to read the whole thing. Would you give us that? Would you give us that uh, address again? Yes. Sure, it's Matthew twenty-five, verse thirty-one. I think I said Thank chapter so twenty-four. Thank you. Chapter twenty-five, verse thirty-one. Now we're not going to read the whole thing, but when Jesus talks to the sheep, uh, say in verse thirty-three, it says, "And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left." Then the king, that's Jesus will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he says this, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Now, why does Jesus not bring up faith here? Right. Um, I have heard numerous times, um, one person, I heard them in a span of a couple months, say it three different times, that he said, see, when you get up to heaven, God isn't going to ask you about your faith. He's going to ask you about your works. He already knows about your faith. Uh, exactly. Um, what this guy was trying to indicate, though, he was actually, Curtis, I think you were thinking he's on the wrong, this guy was on the right side. He was on the wrong side. Because what he followed up that statement with was, see, God isn't got you better have works to go along with your faith or you aren't going to get in, which, uh, which would put him on the wrong side. Yep. And so the way he was saying it was, see, God's not going to look at your faith. He's going to look at your works. So if you don't have enough or the right kind or whatever it is, you right. aren't going to get in. And that's really not the point of this. No, Curtis, you're exactly right. The reason they're sheep is because they have faith. That's right. And we only exactly. and we we know that the only way you get into heaven is by faith alone in Christ alone. Right. That's it. Yep. 
So what he is talking about here, he's talking about the rewards they're going to get for the works they did. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So listener, if you're hearing this passage preached and the person is indicating that you have, you better have works or you're not going to get in, that is not at all what this passage is talking about. No, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. And so what I think is going on here is that in the tribulation, it will be very, very dangerous to preach Jesus's name. Uh, there's going to be a lot of martyrdom in the kingdom. So much martyrdom. In fact, the martyrs in heaven after they die are going to cry out to God and say, how long will this go on? Yeah. Uh, because of how many martyrs there will be. Um, so what I think is going on is your faith in the tribulation will almost by necessity manifest itself in works. Now, yeah. that, that still doesn't mean they're automatic. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying the way you will show your faith almost immediately will result in a work because a person that is preaching Jesus, you will invite them into your house or give them food, and that will be the way that your faith is shown almost immediately, almost every time, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Hebrews chapter one, I think, kind of deals mm -hmm. with that a little bit. It doesn't mention works, but faith is the... Uh, it's the evidence of things not seen. People can't see your faith unless you have works. Mm -hmm. And the Bible tells us that we're to show people our works to see our faith. Our lives are supposed to reflect him. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so when you... We're not teaching your lesson for you, are we? No, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. You could do it better than I could. Now, to, to make sure we address the other side of this... Because people will use, oh, well, the goats, see, he doesn't talk about their faith. Well, again, for the same reason the sheep are sheep because of their faith, the reason these people are goats is because they don't have faith. Right on. And so they, so Jesus already knows they don't have faith, so they're getting departed because they didn't do works. Well, again, the works aren't because if you don't have the right works, you don't get in. He's just making the point that you didn't you didn't have faith and that faith wasn't shown in these things. Okay. And so make sure when you come to a passage like this and there are, you read this on face value and it might seem like you got to have works to get into heaven. No. Go back to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Go back to John right 5, 24, you know, go to the clear passages. That's and it. then we go to this one and read the difficult one. Okay. So, Okay. So that's going this. So that's that. <laughs> that that handles our faithful and wise servant. They're going to be blessed because they're going to be working until the end. What about the evil servant here? Mm. Well, it says back here, my master is delaying his coming. How many times has Jesus talked about watching and being ready? Yeah. So these are what I like to call the aware evil servants. Because they know Jesus is going to come back. They just don't think he's going to come back yet. Uh, this could be akin to a Jew that knows their Messiah. Remember, they don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. Right. Uh, and, we, and Dick, I've heard you say it many times. We love the Jews. We want you guys to believe in your Messiah that has come. Absolutely. Um, but, it, but right now, the Jews, as a people, do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. However, they do still believe, most of them, that a Messiah is coming. Yes. 
And so these Jew, that could be who this serve, this evil servant is. And that could be who this is talking about is a Jew that knows a Messiah is coming, but not coming yet. What do they do? They beat their fellow servants and eat and drink with the drunkards. Well, they're going to live a not very good lifestyle and beat his fellow servants. Remember, this is a parable. And so that isn't saying that's literally going to happen, but this may be indicating here, this beat fellow servants, this could be one reason there's so many martyrs in the tribulation, because the Jews are turning over their fellow kind, fellow Jews, to yeah. be martyred. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think it by beat his fellow servants. Well, he's the same in the same grouping of servants as the faithful and wise. And if this right. is talking about the Jews, it at least makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so because they think the master is delaying his coming, they won't be ready and they won't believe he'll come at an hour he's not aware. Uh, this whole cut him in two and appoint his portion with the hypocrites, that's a picture of basically the punishment they're going to happen. Um, remember, it's a parable. And so Jesus isn't saying that a Jew, that an unbelieving Jew is literally going to be cut in two, but they will be punished and they will have great deep regret because they'll be kicked they won't be entered the kingdom right yeah. so that's the evil the what i call the aware evil student now servant now turn to luke in luke jesus adds on to this what i call the unaware evil servant so in luke Ooh. chapter 12 uh, verses 42 through 46 it's basically the same as uh, Matthew's account. There's a couple extra words, a couple extra details, but it's the same meaning. But in verse 47 of Luke chapter 12, it says this, and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. There again, a picture of the punishment. In verse 48, but he who did not know, that means there's going to be people unaware that the Messiah is coming yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. Uh, from this, and there's other passages that, that say this too, the punishment in hell is going to be proportional uh, I, to who I you are as a person. Mm -hmm. That the, the quote, what we would say the, in human terms, the really, really bad people will get a worse punishment than just the not as bad people. So you mean Dante Alighieri may have had it right back in the? So, uh, so, so it, what, what, in what a way. you and I are both saying here is that there are degrees of punishment in hell. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that actually makes a lot of sense because we also know there's degrees of reward in heaven. Absolutely, yeah. God yeah. is fair. Now, what gets you to one place or the other is your faith. Absolutely, yeah. but once you're there. Your punishment or your rewards, depending on where you are, is dependent on the life you lived, your works. Right. And always, always, always keep those separate. They never cross, but God is fair. Yeah. So let's, so let's read the end of this. So this is the end of Luke uh, chapter 12, verse 48. It says, for everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to him or to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. So this is where Jesus explains our provoked thought of our parable. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required, meaning 
if God gives you more, he is also requiring you of more. Absolutely. Um, it was <laughs> Pastor Dick, it was interesting. Eli, we, we sometimes we ask them, <laughs> usually when they refuse to go to bed, uh, what they want to be when they grow up. And Eli said he wants to teach karate. I said, oh, well, why do you want to teach? And he gave me some answers. And I said, oh, well, you know what the Bible says about teaching. And I said, the Bible says that not a lot of people should become teachers. And in James, I didn't explain it to him this way, but, it, but, it, but in James, it says, let not many of you become teachers, for we will incur the stricter judgment. Yeah, ouch. Uh, Pastor Dick, I am very careful about uh, promoting myself in the teacher world because I want to be very careful. I think you've said it to me. Others have said it. You know, God has called you to teach and, you know, things like that. I'm very careful because I know there's a lot of responsibility that goes along with that. Absolutely. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. If God has given you the ability to understand the Bible and the ability to teach it, from him much will be required, as in God's going to hold you to a standard. Uh, and the second part, and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. That means that the more God commits to you, the more he will ask of you. And so there will be greater service expected as you are committed more by God. As you are faithful, he will be faithful to you. Now, I, I think because of some verses in James and some other things, I think the inverse is true also. I think as you deny what God gives you, I think he doesn't require as much as you. Um, and, and I get that from, from James and a couple other places that, you know, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Well, the inverse is true. If you don't draw near to God, he won't draw near to you. If God gives you a certain ability that you deny to use, He'll probably give you fewer opportunities to use it. Yep. Now, thankfully, we have the. Oh. Let me interrupt just a little bit. This is regarding you and, and, and me uh, with regard to this very thing. Do you ever, after one of these sessions, ever uh, go to a room by yourself and scratch your head and say, Did I do enough? Uh, usually, I go tell my kids a bedtime story. <laughs> because <laughs> that's usually when we do this podcast i don't want to ruin your momentum there pastor dick but oh yeah do i do i think about what i said and what i shouldn't have said or should absolutely that's right <laughs> well i'm glad i'm not alone there <laughs> no. yeah. uh because i want to make sure i get it right me too um, me because too. it because a teacher i think one reason we're held to this higher standard is because we influence people which means we can influence people correctly or incorrectly. That's right. Um, and, and that can be a pretty big responsibility. Um, and so that's, that's the principle Jesus is laying out here. Um, he's saying, you know, there's going to be rewards and there, or there's going to be punishment. Um, but then as you do more, he's going to give you more. Now, thankfully, if you're in a place where you have denied a gift or you've denied doing something for God, we have the promise of 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us. God will never, or well, let me say it like this, God will always welcome us back into fellowship to be used by him. Amen. Unfortunately, because of past decisions, there may be consequences that are long lasting, 
but God will always, 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 always welcome you back. Always. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So, so that is the faithful and wise uh, servant. All right. I think we've got time for one more, which means, Curtis, I don't think we're going to get to the talents today, but that's all right. All right. That's fine. Because we can wait till next week. And you know what? If Jesus comes until next week, I'd honestly, I'd rather have that. So well, me too. Me too. that works. <laughs> all right. We are back in uh, Matthew now. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 25. Now, this is the, the wise and foolish virgins. Now, it's good for me to remind here that parables are a picture with one meaning. And so lots and lots uh, uh, has been done to try to assign details to the meaning of this parable. Uh, what is the oil and who are the virgins and why are there five of each and who's this and who's that? Uh, remember, the details only support the point. And so when he's talking about this oil and going to the market and buying and all that, all he's doing is talking about the wedding ceremony where they would keep lamps burning and be ready for the bridegroom. Yeah. There's no meaning beyond that. It's just he's using this common occurrence that his audience would be aware of to picture what the provoked thought is, which is to watch and be ready. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who, uh, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Go to those who sell. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him and to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he said, answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now, as we said, as I just said, the fact that there are five of each, uh, the fact that there was a market to go by and they were too late, um, all that, all it's doing is serving the purpose of the parable, the meaning, which is in verse 13. It says, watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Right. That's the point of the parable is to watch, as it has been for many of these parables. Uh, now, when the virgins, the, the foolish virgins in verse 11 say, Lord, Lord, open to us. Well, honestly, that reminds me of the Sermon on the Mount, mm -hmm. where Jesus is talking about where it says, Lord, Lord, not all who call me Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. Well, why won't they enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, because they didn't have faith. Right. And actually, that's a parable that we will get into later. So I'm not going to go into that. But the, the meaning of this parable is just to watch and be ready. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for all the same reasons that we've already talked about. Um, now, again, these, these parables, they are not about the church. The church doesn't exist yet. They're about the tribulation Jews. 
but we're also told to be ready. So turn to Romans chapter five. That's good. <laughs> and uh, Dick, I have to admit, um, there's a saying I like to use. It's, I, I'm a musician and I went to college for all that and yada, yada, yada. Um, and there's a saying we used to have that good musicians borrow and great musicians steal. <laughs> so, so when I was going into this uh, section that we're going to do, I admit I went into your hope booklet and I stole the verses you were going to use. So there you're, you go. You're welcome to it. <laughs> so I forgot the booklet. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so when we talk about watching and be ready, uh, a big part of that is hope. Yep. Now, hope, as Pastor Dick, you know, means confidence. That's it. So we as Christians, what are we hoping for? Or what are we supposed to be confident in? Is another way to ask that question. Well, in Romans chapter 5, um, it talks about this. I'm going to start in verse 3. Uh, actually, no, let's start back in verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, when I talk about this verse, I always point out the, uh, the tenses of the verbs. So we've been justified in the past, and we have peace, present tense, with God right now. That's right. Um, we've been justified. We have peace. It's not a peace we have to wait for. Um, we already have it. Verse 2, through whom we also, or also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So we're currently standing in the grace and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Well, that word hope means confidence. So Paul goes a little bit farther. Verse three, he says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Um, one of my boys favorite stories is the story of Paul and Silas in the jail. Yeah. And we go through that story. And whenever I get to the part about them singing at midnight, I always go, well, boys, that's about, you know, three hours from now or whenever. And I say, boys, if I had been beaten like Paul and Silas were and then thrown in a dirty jail, there's probably no windows and then been shackled to the floor, probably uncomfortably. I don't know that I would be singing at midnight. And I think how great Paul and Silas that they were singing yeah. because they had been beaten and thrown in jail all for Christ. That's a tough one um, to glory in tribulations. Uh, so not only that, uh, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance. Maybe that's how Paul was looking at it. Paul was looking that, well, I know this is going to help me persevere. Uh, and perseverance character, so as we get perseverance, we get a bit improved character, a more godly character, and character, hope. Uh, if you, listener, are lacking hope, do you have character? Do you have perseverance? Are you glorying, glorying in your tribulations? If those things are difficult, then it's no wonder we don't have hope. Uh, verse five, now hope does not disappoint. Oh, what a beautiful phrase, isn't that? Hope does not disappoint. Uh, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. 
when we are lacking hope, we need to turn to God and hope on him and he will not disappoint. Right. That does not mean bad things aren't going to happen. But when they do happen, good things come out of that. Um, I, I, I remember one person said, you know, one reason Paul was put in jail is so he would slow down in his missionary journeys and write the letters that we now all get hope from. <laughs> you know, How about if, that? if God never put Paul in jail, he might have never written down these letters. So you just, you know, you got to look at things with the right perspective. So these tribulations that you go through, they are an opportunity to produce perseverance and character and hope. Uh, turn to First Peter chapter one. Oh yeah. First Peter chapter one and Pastor Dick, you just got through preaching First Peter a little while ago. Um, I love First Peter. That's a beautiful book. Uh, chapter one, verse thirteen. It says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. That word sober means morally alert mm -hmm. and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, when is that? That for us would be the rapture. The rapture, yeah. So not only do we glory in those tribulations, and there's a lot more things about hope. Uh, if you're curious, go back and listen to Pastor Dick's podcast on it. Not only is there hope in, in just who Jesus is, but there's hope in the rapture. Absolutely. Uh, you're going to be taken out of this world. And so uh, that, that would be the admonition, is that uh, as we read all these uh, parables about, um, you know, being ready and being watchful, I would hope that you look to the hope and be ready. Um, I think I've said this before on this podcast is if the rapture is one of our big hopes and we in the church are afraid to talk about the end times, it's no wonder so many of us don't have hope. Well said, young man. And so look to that. Look to Jesus for your hope and look for his coming for your hope because that's what's going to be our anchor in these times. Amen. Amen. And so I know this was a little bit shorter, uh, Curtis, but I don't think I want to try to cram the talents and the minas in. Uh, oh, no, let's not do any cramming. Yeah. We, are you teasing us? <laughs> <laughs> but all I can say is uh, a little prepper for next week. The talents and the minas to some, uh, to, in some respects, they're very similar, aren't they? They're very yeah. similar. Absolutely. But there's also some differences that make them very different. Absolutely. And so they are they they perfectly go through and go and work with the rest of what we've been talking about, and it'll be an exciting week next week. That's right. Okay. In the meantime, don't we wish that everybody had the same hope that we do? Mm -hmm. And they can have that by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior. Simple as that. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 All right. I, I'm assuming that we have finished up for today. Is I that correct? We have. Yeah. We've finished up. We've got the parables of the talents and the minas, which are our last two kingdom parables. Okay. And then, so next week, we'll get through those. And then, as time permits, we'll start on the gen, what I call just the general parables. Okay. Which are, which are just more general lessons, not necessarily aimed at the kingdom that, that Jesus teaches. Amen.
Very good. Sounds great. We're looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. And to our listeners, we hope that you've been blessed by today's session. And uh, we pray that you'll you'll join us again next week uh, when we have Lucas on. I think it's going to be Saturday night, probably, instead of Sunday morning. But but uh, we sometimes we have to play these things by ear. It's okay. Yep. So, and when I and when I forget until about Saturday morning that I knew I had something going, and then I have to call you guys. See, this a life gets busy, doesn't it? <laughs> so, um, so be sure and and mark it on your calendar. Be ready uh, next Saturday evening. If there's any changes to that, any new developments, I'll try to let you know Saturday morning. Uh, but uh, you can pretty much count on. Uh, uh, Saturday morning and Saturday evening broadcast. They're so, looking forward to Lucas. So be be with us. We know that you've uh, that you've been interested in what Lucas has got to say, and uh, boy, we we've learned a few things too. So uh, we're thankful for him, and um, we we look we look ahead to uh, the parable of the talents uh, next week on Saturday. Okay. So Saturday night, 7.30, mark it on your calendars, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, may God bless and keep you. This is the Christian Underground News Network signing off until Tuesday. Tuesday, I think, uh, what time do we normally do this with JB? 10 o'clock our time? 10 o'clock our time. 10 o'clock central time, I think. Yeah. So uh, 10 o'clock central time, Tuesday morning. We'll see you then. Until then, God bless you.